Welcome back to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. I'm Dr. Michaela Benson, a reader in sociology at Goldsmiths University of London and the research lead for a UK and a changing Europe funded project that's all about what Brexit means for British citizens living in the EU 27. Over the coming weeks and months, you'll be hearing me in conversation with the rest of the team, with Karen O'Reilly, Catherine Collins and Chantal Lewis. Today we're going to be talking about a theme that has come up time and time again throughout the research, and that is about how the British citizens that we've been working with in the EU27 relate to the idea of Britishness, or rather what it means to them. And I'm going to bring the entire team in again on this. So I'm in the studio with Karen, Katie and Chantal. I was particularly struck by a slightly unusual uh, situation that I found myself in when I was doing some research in France recently. I went to interview a couple that I hadn't met before who had got in touch with me. They'd found me through, oh goodness knows how they'd found me actually, but they had been living in Belgium for 40 years. And they'd moved to France, they'd retired to France from Belgium. And I was struck when I was listening particularly to him talking through the interview, that he never referred to himself as British. And every time he spoke about Britain, or the British, as he called them, he was actively distancing himself from them. Well, I don't know whether he actively was distancing it. What was unusual about it to me was there seemed to be an absolute absence of any sense of identification, active identification with this idea of being British in the way that he was communicating. He was probably the first and only person that I've encountered in the research who really communicated in everything they said an idea that they were first and foremost European, which I think will be the topic of a future podcast, so watch this space on that. But... I thought that it would be interesting to hear from the other members of the team about Britishness as it's occurring in the research that they are doing. So perhaps, Karen, you might like to start with a few reflections from your interviews in Spain. They might not just be from Spain, actually, because I've been talking to some people via Skype as well from various different other countries, some of the citizens panel and I specifically was talking to some of them more recently about this. I'm I'm not quite sure why that came up. Maybe it's because time has passed and they were later interviews. And so they've been something that we've really been focusing on in more recent interviews. So really some very profound reflections in some of the conversations I've had. So, for example, um, a guy who's in his early 30s, and living in Germany, lived there um, not so long, two to three years, Um, now married a German woman. But what was interesting about this guy is that he admits that if he had been living in the UK when Brexit had happened, he probably would have voted leave. And he's even quite surprised himself to even say that. But he says, you know, given what I know and who I know, I probably would have been a leave voter. But obviously, because I live in Germany, that's not something looking back, it would have made sense for me to vote. But he says, you know, as time's passed and he's heard the discussions around Brexit, he said, it's really made me think that Britain does no longer feel like somewhere I feel I belong or want to go home to. Um, he said things like he would be the first person to tell people proudly about Britain and to talk about British products or British 
capabilities in certain areas. So he he would have seen himself as like an ambassador for Britain at one point. But quite painfully, he says that it doesn't feel like somewhere he feels at home. The trouble is alongside that, he says that nor does he really feel that Germany can ever be his home because he says, I'm not German and nor will I ever be. You know, he's fluent in German, married to a German woman, totally settled there, but it's not somewhere that he feels is home for him. And just staying on that same theme, I I spoke to a woman in Spain who, again, absolutely fluent in Spanish, absolutely been there about 35 years, completely settled, completely integrated. However, we might want to measure that by her own account, she's completely integrated. Thinking of applying for Spanish citizenship, which just as an aside, you can't have both British and Spanish citizenship. So you have to make a choice. Do I want to be Spanish or do I want to be British? So she's probably going to get Spanish citizenship. She says she'll get it easily. She speaks fluent Spanish and knows enough about Spanish society. But she said, I will never be a Spanish person. She said, I will always be that British woman in the village. However, I've given up my British identity I've got Spanish citizenship. I've been here all this time. I've got my friends. Everything is in Spain. I will always be that British woman in the village. So where does... I'm not a British person. I've got to give up my British citizenship. So where does that leave me? Who am I? I've heard that in France as well from some people who've been applying for or have chosen not to apply for French citizenship because I will never be French is the way that they talk about it because there's always going to be this residue of having been born and brought up in the UK, the cultural references, those logics that people are so familiar with. It goes down to things like children's TV and sweets is the way that they often talk about it. They don't share, they don't feel that they have that Mm, common identity mm. with their French neighbours. Not that they dislike being in France or what have you, but for them, having nationality would be about, well, not giving up that, about not having quite the right competences mm. to match mm. onto what they imagine being French is, for example. I think those are really, really interesting mm. quotations, Karen. Um, Katie, you've just come back from Cyprus where you've been talking with British people who who live there. And I wondered if there was anything coming out of those interviews that you wanted to reflect on. Well, yeah, I mean, Cyprus was a really interesting place to visit and talk to British people. And as everyone knows, Cyprus has got a different relationship with Britain to many other European countries. And because I've only been back for a week and a half and I haven't analysed the data in any way as much as it will be analysed, I don't really want to talk about that now until I have more certainty. But what I do want to tell you about are three completely different interpretations of what Britishness might be from three people in Cyprus. So the first person, when I asked about Britishness, they said, no, I'm not British. I don't think of myself as British. It's just paperwork. It's just what my passport says. I speak Mediterranean languages. I eat Mediterranean food. When I go back to England, it seems like a foreign place they talked about not know hearing the word chav and having no idea what it was when they went back to England. The second person said, yes, I'm proud to be British. And I, I asked, what does British mean to you? And he said, it means things like serving 
one's community and providing leadership in one's community and volunteering those kind of values around quite an old-fashioned idea of Britishness. But also this person, when the neighbours ask them, where are you from? He'll tell them he's a new Cypriot. He hasn't let go of his idea Mm. of Britishness, but he also feels loyal to Cyprus too. And the third person referred to Theresa May's quote of a citizen of nowhere and wanted to almost reclaim that deadly insult and take it as a badge of of something, defiance perhaps. And this person's national identity or their identity in that sense was to something that I can only really describe as a sort of cultural space of Europe, not the EU, but Europe, actually the countries and the space and the monuments and the churches and the history and of Europe. Can you give an example of that? Because that's quite an unusual, because often when, when I've been speaking with people in France about being European, people who don't have an affiliation with that will say, well, it's because there are no monuments. There isn't a stereotypical European that comes to mind when I think of those things. This particular person had travelled a lot and had lived in a lot of different countries. And in a lot of uh, these interviews, and perhaps your experience is the same, people quite often pause briefly before answering the question because it's not something that anyone's ever asked them to think about or articulate before. So we talked about, what do you mean, Europe? You know, the space of Europe, these places. And I think it's... He was speaking as these ideas were forming, so he started to talk about, did he think Cyprus represent, even though Cyprus is in the EU? Well, no, because it feels more like the Middle East, like Israel or Jordan or somewhere, the way the buildings look and the temperature. And what about Turkey? Well, no. What about Russia? Maybe some bits of Western Europe. So I think what he was thinking of was the quite the high culture of Europe you know imagine the Vienna the Opera House and Paris the Arc de Triomphe and the, the art galleries and the place where if you were going to if you were um, an American person who's going to go on a tourist trip or of the Europe grand tour of the, the well the grand tour <laughs> yeah the, the, the like dandies on the, the, grand on the grand tour but those aren't the words that he used by any means that's me trying to puzzle out what he might have meant and find a way to express that for this. But that's what it seemed like to me. So somebody who was relatively unfamiliar with Europe, what would they want to see? What would be the things that would fascinate them Mm. and the places they would travel to visit and experience? And for him, that seemed to be what Europe was. The little cobbly streets that you walk down and the French people playing boule on a Sunday morning or... Yeah, there is something about a shared history that often comes out when people talk about being European that perhaps he was communicating but in a slightly different way. Obviously, that is an exclusionary history as well, we know, for particular populations, which is one of the things that we've been paying quite a lot of attention to when Chantal's been doing the work that she's been doing with British people of colour. I think it'd be a really good point, actually, to introduce that understanding of Britishness as this kind of thing that doesn't actually always include everybody who legally has the piece of paper that says, I am British, I am a British citizen, here's my 
birth certificate here's my identification here's my passport yeah i mean with the british people of color that are living in the eu 27 during this brexit process what's really important and interesting to remember is these are people who within their families back in Britain, have people who are old enough to remember what it's like to actively be excluded from Britishness. So Brexit is something for people of colour, British people of colour in particular, that can be quite uncomfortable. But also it's a reminder of something which has maybe happened in other moments in British history, which is uncomfortable and quite sad, really. I think... For the people of colour that I've spoken with, Britishness is a difficult one to describe. So for some people, they talk about Brexit feeling like they've lost their claim to Britishness because for them, Britishness meant tolerance and inclusion. But for other British people of colour that I've spoken to, Brexit is simply a continuation of the Britishness that they know to be exclusionary and that doesn't include their experience. So it's just, it's a familiarity. I think it's been really interesting talking to people about how their positions, about how they feel about their citizenship and their identity in relation to how they've actually experienced that identity. So talking about experiences of racism and being excluded from Britishness whilst living in Britain and then coming away from Britain and feeling like, oh, I am British, I'm proud of this identity and then Brexit happening and it's almost sort of a bit of a reminder of those familiar racisms that people are are used to in a way. So that's why it was quite interesting for me when I started the interviews hearing how differently people of colour were talking about Brexit either in a way that was that they were quite sad about it as it represented something that they thought had gone away or either as something that they were like, yeah, of course, this is what the British do. So there is something there about the relationship between Brexit and Britishness and how Brexit has made people, I think, all the way across the study, start to ask questions about what Britishness means for them. And I think that there are a whole variety of responses to that And the point that I made earlier around how that articulates with Europeanness is quite interesting. And I think that came out really clearly in those three vignettes from from Cyprus there, which is that, you know, sometimes Europeanness might be part of Britishness. Other times it might be something completely separate and different. And at other times, the relationship between the two might be quite ambivalent. I don't know if there are any other variations on a theme there in relation to that. And I think that that's, for me, what that's about. So, I mean, in an earlier episode, I talked about some examples of people, these repeated narratives that you hear about people going back to Britain and experiencing Mm. hostility because, in this case, they're driving in Britain with French number plates on their cars. Mm -hmm. And... I wonder how that's linked to a wider narrative that comes out through quite a lot of the interviews that I have conducted in France. And actually, in in the words of some of the activists working in this area, which sees them as, in some way, where they feel that people are saying to them, you know, you're a traitor, you've Mm. left, Mm. you are no longer British. This is how they interpret some of the comments that they're finding. 
what you were just saying about people going home, this is in here a little bit as well. But um, I think the one you had in mind was somebody who contacted us last week and she just had a visit home to the UK. She was actually, obviously, by her email, she was emailing us, I think, really to offload because people had been making her feel very uncomfortable, exactly as you say, as if she was a traitor and almost as if... Oh, you're still there then? They were asking, oh, you're still there then? Well, have you made a decision to come home yet then? As if, almost like you're a naughty girl. You know, when when are you going to realise you're not supposed to have done this? You're supposed to come home. It's a, the tone was quite fascinating and it made us talk about it a little bit on Twitter and read some things from other people on Twitter. And it's been quite interesting, that tone that you get from people, the sort of surprise that you would leave the country. And I think that's... I, as people who've been working in this area for a long time, I don't think that we've ever documented that before. No, I think that you're hasn't right. come up yeah. in previous research that we've done with, with British people living in France and Spain. So just to read you this one from a different guy in Germany, he said to me, I find it harder to stand up for the positive elements of British culture at a party or with friends. This is in Germany. I valued such things as British multiculturalism, our flexibility, creativity, our sense of freedom. Many of these now seem either to have faded from British culture or to have somehow turned out to lie behind what's happening with Brexit. I'm slowly being robbed of an integrated identity into one that is split and divided and where I have to figure out how I maintain allegiances to the different places and societal visions that are part of me. I don't really know where I belong right now and I feel it's going to be hard to figure out until this whole process is complete. Visiting the UK again this week, a number of people have apologised to me for Brexit. They seem in some sense to identify me as one of the European neighbours who have been injured by it. Few of my friends and acquaintances seem to understand what it means to live a life split between separate countries, and they try to pin it down to one or other in conversation. That's really strong. It's a really quite pronounced idea of what some people feel this is doing to their sense of who they are. Mm. It's and shows- that sense, again, that British friends don't understand that you would have this European identity or split identity and that that would be difficult, that you must just choose one or other allegiance and that's going to be that easy. I think that this is really only a starting point in our conversations about Britishness, which probably we could talk about for hours, to be honest. But really what we wanted to just draw out was the kind of the various ways in which people have spoken about being British to us and what that might then tell us about how they understand their migration, how they understand even the place that they live now and what's happening to their relationships with friends and family in consequence of this political shift, I would have said. And certainly there's a lot more sociology to understanding Britishness that we could have brought into this conversation and will likely do in the future. But we just wanted to reflect a little on some of those themes around Britishness that are coming out there. Britishness as identity, as citizenship, as belonging, actually. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Michaela Benson, and produced by Emma Halton at Art of Podcast. The series is part of a UK and a Changing Europe funded research project, Brexit Brits Abroad, that's all about what Brexit means for UK citizens living in the EU 27. We're really keen to hear from you about the issues and concerns we address in the programme. 
So please do get in touch with any thoughts, queries and questions. You can find our contact details on our webpage, Brexit Brits Abroad, or get in touch via social media. We're on Twitter at BrexPatsEU and we have a Facebook page, Brexit Brits Abroad. Finally, in case you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on both iTunes and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode.